Praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adiomi, and I'm going through the Gospel of Luke. Step by step, we are teaching through the Gospel of Luke. I read it verse by verse and then pause and give some comments. Or I give us insight in this as we study in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray. Now I'm in Luke chapter 11. These are teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Begin from verse 1. Just take your Bible and read along with me, and I will pause and give comments. For more explanation. Chapter 11 of Gospel of Luke, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now let's stop there. You see the same, we went through the Gospel of Matthew, we saw the same prayer, or perhaps in Mark, saw the same prayer that, the, that they reported, the, we call it the Lord's Prayer. Now, this is a template that the Lord gave to us, a more like a template of how to pray. That's not mean that's all you need to say, but it gave us a template. When you look at the template, it says, when you start to pray, say, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, acknowledge him first, our Lord be thy name, is a praise. Start by praising God when you are praying. Start everything by praising him, our Lord be thy name, is the summary of a praise. Then it's after you praise him, talk about his own business. Before you talk about your own business or your need, talk about his own business and his need. Thy kingdom come, that is the plan of God, to bring his kingdom to this earth. So that this line, this planet and all the human beings on this planet will be lined up with heaven to do the will of the Father. So that is, his, is the purpose of God. Because that was what he created Adam in the first place to be, to represent him on earth. And have dominion over all things. When Adam, if Adam was under, uh, subjected to God, then everything is under Adam would be subjected to God. But Adam failed. So the kingdom of God is to come back and reestablish itself upon the earth. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. So that's why he said the first thing we pray after we praise him is to talk about his own business, his own plan, his own desire is to bring his kingdom to rule upon this earth. So thy kingdom come, we are praying that his kingdom should come and reign. It started by reigning in our heart, we believers. Before it started reigning on the, on the governments of the world. So it is individual person that must first receive the kingdom of God into your heart. Jesus Christ said that the kingdom of God is within you, within me, within everyone that believes. So that is how it started, the kingdom of God. He said thy kingdom come, so we are praying that his kingdom come first within believers. That's where we go forth to preach to them and they believe in yourself, Christ. Then the kingdom of God starts inside them. Then it will come in the end after the Lord has taken the care of this planet earth and only, only, only holy people will be living upon the earth. 
That is when his kingdom there is established on this physical earth as the government of the war of the world. So that's first thing he said, I'll be thy name, then say thy kingdom come. Talk about his kingdom. Then thy will be done in earth as it is done in heaven. So as thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. That is the plan of God it will be on this earth as it is in heaven. That is the that is the part of the purpose of God. His kingdom to come and his will be done on this earth is the purpose of God. That is what you talk about his business for before you talk about your business. Then you talk about the next verse. He said, give us day by day our daily bread. So now you're asking for yourself. Now the Lord Jesus Christ summarizes that by saying, give us day by day. Don't think, he's, don't ask for the things that you are going to need next year, two years to come, like you want to store it up. He wants us to depend on God, to live with God, to walk with God day by day. And so if we walk with him day by day, we can ask for our need day by day also. So the Seattle Jesus summarizes, give us day by day our daily bread. But I heard about tomorrow. And in other places, said, don't even pre-meditate. You're going to get to that in the next few verses. That if you are trying to plan ahead, plan ahead, you most likely will be missing God. God wants to satisfy you today and tomorrow and tomorrow every day. He said, but I might need to store his support. He also talk about that. He's going to bless your basket and bless your storehouse. Storehouse is where you store it. Basket is what you need today. So that's also that's the blessing of God. But he said, when you are praying, pray that give us day by day our daily bread. Verse 4, he said, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. So that is also very important. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a template, like I said. After you talk about, after you ask for your need, remember, forgive. It is out of forgiveness God is giving us answer. Giving us what we ask for, what we need. If you want God to answer you, to give you what you need, what you're asking for personally for yourself, he said, do this for me also. Forgive your neighbors. Forgive your brother. He said, forgive us our sins as we also forgive them that sin against us. So if you don't forgive, you're not going to talk about that in the next few verses. Say, forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. So he's commanding you. Better remember, you have to forgive those that are indebted to your trespass against you. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil is the last part. So he said, lead us not into temptation, which automatically means you are expected to be led by God, by the Spirit of the living God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we are expected to be led. He didn't say lead us. He said, lead us not into temptation. So we are expected to be led by God, but there are prayers that don't lead us into temptation. Well, you say, why do we need to say that if we know it's going to lead us? It's because God is not afraid of temptation. But for our own sake, we don't want to be led into temptation. Whatever temptation means, temptation to sin, everything that is going to make somebody offend God is a temptation. Either to sin, the sin that are commonly known, even persecution is a form of temptation. Persecution, when they want to cut your head off and say, deny your God or cut your head off, it's a temptation to curse God or to deny God also. So we don't want that either. So we are praying, you say, lead us on to temptation, it covers everything. Committing adultery or stealing is a temptation. Or you are just driving and you run into people that are yelling at one another, cursing, and because of the traffic jam, that's also temptation. You want to be in that place where everybody is cursing. Also, so lead us into temptation is a, is a template that summarizes everything you want the Lord to lead you, but not into the evil things that can overwhelm us. Now, that is, and it says, and deliver us from evil. That is the next thing. Don't lead us into temptation. In case we are in that situation, deliver us from evil because temptation is evil. 
Everything that is not even tempting is also evil. So the Lord is wrapping up by saying, deliver us from evil. So we need to also pray that deliver me, O Lord, from all evil things. Sicknesses is evil. So you pray. It's a general prayer. It's like a template, like I said. You can pray for a specific thing. No, sir. Deliver me from evil. You know the evil, sickness and evil thing. Then pray about that. Lord, deliver me from this sickness. Or financial situation. Deliver me from this situation. Or you have a court case. Deliver me from this court case. So those are all things you can now specifically talk about that. No, sir. This is a template, like I said, deliverance from evil is a template for everything you want to ask for that has to do with evil, that pray against it, also. But day by day, give me a daily bread. It's also praying daily by day. You can also pray for your business that you want it to prosper. That's still the same thing. Give us day by day our daily bread. So that's a, this is a template for how to pray. Now let's continue in verse 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, let me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to say before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, Though ye will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. What does importunity mean? Persistence. You keep knocking. Think, for example, this story that Jesus Christ gave, like a parable, he said, if you have a friend and you go to ask him in the night, it's getting to night time, but you needed some help, you needed some food, because you have a visitor. And you went and said, hey, give me some loaves. And the man said, no, I can't come, I just can't raise up. My, bed, my children are in bed and I don't want to wake them up. He said, he doesn't want to wake them up and that's why he's not going to answer you. You go away. He said, but if you go away, you just won't get what you get. But if you are adamant, ready to disturb him, keep knocking on the door until his children will wake up say, just to keep you from waking up the children, he will come and throw the bread at you and he get out of here. And that's why he said, even if you are no more going to be friend because you are angry, at, he's angry at you. But he said, even if he's not going to give it to you for being a friend, because of your importunity, because you are now disturbing him, that's what it means, you are now disturbing him, he will give you as many as you need. And God is trying to make us to see that that's how we should treat prayer to when we are talking to God. You look like God is slow, you knock on the door harder. Verse 9, and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you, that's now ask God. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receive it. And he that seeketh, find it. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Now that is a summary of what we should, how we should deal with prayer. When you're asking God for something, you look like it's not responding on time. Don't give up. That's what it meant. He just gave that parable of a, a friend that said, he won't go if you keep knocking on the door until the man is disturbed. He will come and give you what you're asking for. He won't go. He's going to be upset with you. That's what the Lord can say. That, yes, keep knocking. And keep knocking means keep knocking. Not just knock once. Say, seek. You shall find. Knock. It shall be open unto you. Verse 10 says, for everyone that has can receive it. And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he, ask, if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? So you, if you're you, you that are earthly father, if your father, your son asks for something, Something to eat, will you give him something that can hurt him, like a stone? 
when you bite his stool and break his teeth. No, you won't do that. You are a father. Or if you ask for egg, are you going to give him a scorpion that can bite him? No. Or if you if you ask for a fish, are you going to give him a, a serpent? He said, no. But it's going to hurt him. If ye then being evil, say you human beings are evil, but they won't do that evil to their own children. You know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So now this, this is what Apostle Luke wrote that is talking about the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit and the Lord will give it to you. That's for believers now because the believers are the ones that are giving the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you are going to ask for the Holy Spirit, first repent from your sins and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then the Holy Spirit is yours. Ask. So he said, God will not give you. Some people are afraid and say, Oh, that thing that is speaking in tongues through these people is a demon. If you ask for the Holy Spirit from the Father and you are a Christian, born again believer, you have given your life to Christ, the Father will not give you a demon. That's what Christ is saying. If you, if you know how to give good gifts unto your children, when they ask for fish, you don't give them a serpent that can bite them. So God that you are asking from, don't ask from just because everybody is doing it. Well, you must be born again and filled of the Holy Spirit and then ask the Father in prayer, not... Not just trying to be like all you, but just ask the Father, he's the one that given the Holy Spirit. He will give you the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you a serpent or a devil that's going to hurt you, that's going to make you do evil things or take you to hell. So that's why the logical said, you be evil, you know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more your, shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. So we have to trust God that when we ask for the Holy Spirit, after we are believers and born again, you don't recommend people that are not Christian to go and be trying to get some spirits from, from spiritualist churches. Because some people went to those spiritualist churches, they themselves have not repented from their sin. And they joined this church and see you speak from supernatural being called upon them and they wanted to experience that. That can be dangerous because you are not a Christian. Until you are born again, you are not a Christian. You have to be born again. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Let him fill you with the Holy Spirit and then begin to read the word of God. Then ask for the Holy Spirit. When you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, then ask for the Holy Spirit. That's what you see in the Acts of the Apostles. They baptized them with water and then they laid their hands upon them and God gave them the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is for believers. That ask the Father, he said, you cannot give you a serpent. Don't be afraid that uh, he, he might give you a demonic spirit that is uh, speaking in tongues. No, it's not, it's not going to give you a demonic spirit that gives you speaking in tongues. God gives the Holy Spirit. And the demons are not allowed to come near born again believers. To possess them because Holy Spirit is a possession. Nobody but can be tormented. Sickness is a torment. They are those are also caused by spirits or, or spirit, but they don't get into our spirits or to our soul. They just stay around and touch the body and torment people with sicknesses and diseases, which we are for to cast them out and send them out in the name of Jesus Christ. And medicine can take care of some of those things. But see, Holy Spirit is a possession. That is, it comes and resides inside our spirits and our soul. So for if, for, for if you're asking the Father, the Father will not give you a demonic spirit that, that, that will hurt you. He will give you the Holy Spirit, which is God himself living inside you. So that's what the Lord Jesus said. Our Father is, is holy and he loves us much more than that. He's going to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. Now verse 14. And he was casting out a devil and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake and the people wondered. Some of them said he casted out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom 
divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because he said that I cast out devils through Bezebub. And if I by Bezebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. Now the Lord said, your sons, he was talking to the Jews, and he was referring to the disciples. He has sent the apostles out to go and preach and cast out devils. And they have gone and preached and cast out devils also. He will send the 70 believers, disciples, to go and preach and cast out devils. They also went and preached and cast out devils. He said, these are your sons. I mean, they are Jews like you. He didn't classify himself as their sons, even though he came as a Jew, but you know he's from heaven. So that's why I say, if I cast out by baseball, how do, what, how, what power do these your sons, are these disciples that I sent out, what power do they use? Then they will be your judges. You won't be judging them. The twelve apostles will be judging the Israelites. That's what he said. Therefore shall they be your judges. I mean the disciples, the twelve apostles, he said they are going to sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So that's why he just referred to it there. Verse 20. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. When the Lord Jesus sent the disciples out, he said, when they cast out, they will heal the sick, they should tell them that the kingdom of God is come upon you. That is, the power of the kingdom is demonstrated right now before your eyes. That is the kingdom of God. They will be casting out, they will be healing of the sick. That is the power of the kingdom. So anytime you heal somebody, you know you are bringing the kingdom of God to bear in that family or in that house or for that person. So he said, tell them that the kingdom of God is come upon you. So that if they receive the kingdom of God, they also will become believers and disciples and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he started telling them when he was still not gone to the cross yet. Verse 21. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusted and divided his spoil. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathered not with me scattered it. Verse 24. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest. And finding none, he said, I will return into my house, whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and gone. Then goeth he, and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter him, and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Now the Lord was talking about this, give that parable. In, another, in the other gospel he said, so shall it be to this generation. He was using that example to talk about the generation that he came to preach to, that did not receive him. He said that a worse thing is coming upon that generation, and it happened when they were all scattered one way. But it gave us an insight here that when you cast some spirits of infirmity out of people, the devil will try to look for somewhere else to go. And if you couldn't find, we try to visit the place he was cast out before. And if the place is empty, the key thing is the place is empty. Even though it's clean, but it's still empty. Yeah, in verse 25, he said, when he come in, he finally swept and garnished. Now, he didn't say, Apostle Luke didn't say it. Yeah, when you get to the other part, he said, empty. That is, there is no other person residing in that house. 
That's why the devil can call, go and get seven more devils to come and force themselves into the place. So for you not to be empty, you better be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So when you are delivered from any disease or any sickness, from any satanic spirit, you give your life to Christ, feed yourself with the Word of God. You are inviting Jesus in. You dispossess those demons. You invite Jesus Christ to take over your life and you'll be living there and the devil cannot come back. Why? Because when they see that the king of kings is in, the, is in your heart, in your soul, you run off. Never come back. So, but if the person is just, it's just like any, he said, is the, is the person will be worse than the person if they, if they came back and bring most devilish devil. Think of somebody that was trying to get out of alcoholism. And they say, oh, try this, try that, try that. If you are trying all of these things, but not through Jesus Christ, you may be sober for a while. But that demon of alcoholism will come back with more, more vengeance. Being more devils that are going to possess. Now the man will no more just be alcoholic. He may go into more, more worse drugs. That's why you must be clean and also filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is the gospel that delivers not just uh, some what you call therapy, which the world do. Therapy to go through some process and then they will be free from uh, cocaine. But if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with Lord Jesus Christ, that cocaine demon that you cast out will come back with more devilish devils that will force the man to go wild and worse than before. That's why he says the last days of that man will be worse than the first. Verse 27. And it came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bear thee, and the paths which thou hast sucked. And that's why I was trying to worship the mother. That is how, that's where the Catholicism got their own inspiration. Blessed are you, Mary. Blessed are you, Mary. They are worshipping the, the female that brings forth the baby. Christ said, no, don't worship any man, worship God. And Christ said, the press plan said, yeah, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Turn our attention away from the womb that bear it. And turn our attention to, to the word of God. Hallelujah. Verse 29. And when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign. And there shall no sign be given it by the sign of Jonas the prophet. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. Now they were asking for Jesus Christ to show them a sign before they can believe. Says, what kind of a sign? Sign from heaven. Like the sun went down or something like that. He said, There will be no sign given to you except the sign of Jonas. What is the sign of Jonas? And he said, As Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall the Son of Man be to this generation. Now here he did it. Explains here, yeah, let's read to He said, The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. The, the queen of Sheba came all the way from, from uh, Ethiopia to come and hear the wisdom of Solomon. Because he said Solomon has wisdom, he was telling of things that they have not heard about before. And many, many kids were coming there just to listen, to learn from Solomon. They were, it's a greater than Solomon is here, the King of Kings, Lord Jesus Christ himself. And anyone that disbelieves, he said they are going to be judged by the, the Queen of Sheba that, that came all the way. But as to the men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it for they repented at the repression of Jonas. And behold, the greater than Jonas is here. Now, in the other gospel, it makes explain that as Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days in the depth, in the heart, in the heart of the heart, that is being buried for three days. Then Luke didn't 
explain it that way. He just said Jonas, they depended on the preaching of Jonas, and so they, that is how and the greater than Jonas is here. But the, when he says the sign of Jonah is that he, will, he the sign they will be receiving is the fact that he will be dead three days and they will resurrect. That will be the sign to them. We know that Jonas, when he was cast into the into the ocean, into the sea, for three days in the belly of the whales, and then he came out and went to preach to the Nineveh, they repented. He will say that if you guys see the sign of Jonas at least after he resurrected, if you don't still believe, then they are worse than Nineveh. That's what he said here. Greater than Jonas is here. Verse 33. No man, when he has lighted a candle, put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thy eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thy eye is evil, thy, whole, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light as when the bright shine of a candle doth give thee light. The light of the light Christ is talking about is our righteousness. Verse 37. And as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him. And he went in and sat down to meet. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. What do you mean by he didn't wash? Maybe in, the Pharisees always wash their hands, wash their feet before they eat, before they, they have gone to the market, they have, they have touched some contaminated things. Basically, even, even if the Lord has caught any contaminant, you know he has power over devils, he has power over sickness and diseases. Whatever he touched cannot hurt him. And so he may came instead of washing his hand and washing, which we call hygiene, no, hygiene, hygienic uh, nature. We need hygiene, but God of heaven does not need hygiene. In fact, God came down, remember, into the desert in front of Moses, burning bush, and he said, this place is an holy ground. It was not holy ground until God came down. It was just a desert full of rattlesnakes and dust. And, and, but when God came down, it became holy ground. So wherever the logical have touched, become holy ground. It won't hurt him. So but these people are not thinking of that. They think he... As a woman, you wash your hand like everybody was taught in hygiene. So that's what they were using. That's why the man was saying, this man didn't even wash his hand before he started eating. Then the Lord said unto him, unto the man, verse 39, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Ye fools, did not eat that made that which is without, made that, make that which is within also. But rather give alms of such things as you have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. But woe unto you, for it's now the Lord was going to be rebuking all the Pharisees with their practices that he has observed. And that we make, you say, you go to a Pharisee man out and invited you, but the Lord is not going to be respecter of faces. And we human beings, we always respect faces. Somebody you are invited as a guest to somebody else, you don't begin to lambast the denomination also. You don't begin to talk about how impact passes the denomination are doing. You want to keep that away from, from the man. You see, this is God that is on earth. So you better rebuke them so that they can repent. So that's why the Lord is not, he doesn't worry, he just tell them the way things are that they should repent from. And they were, they were like someone that said, well, this man will not invite you next time for dinner. No, 
wants to be invited next time dinner? He wants the man to repent, to speak, to save. But what want to you Pharisees? That's like denomination. Their denominational doctrine is what God is talking about, not just the man. But he is one of that denomination, so he has those practices also. For he inspired mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. This ought she to have done and not to leave the other undone. So the Lord was pointing to some prices that where you guys should be having the should be talking about the love of God and and judgment. But you more depending on what you give to the church and pious on this, pious on that, that is giving the money out, but you are not practicing the love, the compassion, the judgment. So you are not going to you are not buying God. If you are doing something wrong and you are trying to give big big money to God, it's not going to buy God's favor. God's favor is bought when you do right, when you show judgment, when you show compassion to people and show love. Then you are favored by God. Not the money you give to the church that you favor, favor you at all. So that is what the Lord says. He said, doesn't say you shouldn't give to the church. He said, this ought you to have done. Right? Do the love, the compassion, the, the love of God. Let that be done first. And don't, don't say, I'm, because of that, I'm not going to give to the church. No, he said, not to leave the other unknown. You still have to do that. But if that's what you are doing, thinking that we appease God, it's like somebody that said they went and robbed a bank and then they want to donate big money to the church after they, after they lose. You are a thief, you are a thief. God wants you to not be a thief. So the money you give to the church, to a pastor, to a reverend, to a ministry, just to cover your sin, it's not going to cover your sin. In fact, you shouldn't even take it if they know it's a money of, they call it a, a money of blood, like the, like the Judas Iscariot went to try to take the money back to and say, I have betrayed innocent person. They say, well, that's your problem. And he dumped the money on the floor and left, so I went to commit suicide. And they said, this is a blood money. And he said, they used to buy human beings. They can't put it back in the house of God, so they went and used it to buy something. Well, they say, if you are a thief, or you embezzle money, that's a thief. No, sir. You rip the government of their money, or you steal the money of the people, and then you want to donate some big money to the church and think that will cover your sin. No, it doesn't cover your sin. In fact, the church you don't take it. Because it's a money, it's a, it's a blood money. That's what they call blood money. Because these people you stole them from, you is someone like you killing them. Okay, so the Lord said, is he giving the money to the poor, to God, or anything, tithes and, and offering? It's not going to protect you if you are not doing the first important thing, love, love of God, love of God, compassion, judgment. You be judged, judge, do the right judgment, fearing God. But for the woe unto you Pharisees, for you love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets. What's wrong with that? Well, it's like uh, they love this praise of men. Men being praised, men praising them, they love that. And it's good to address why those are all just a show, woman show. Verse 44. He said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are as grace which appear not, and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. That is the hypocrisy. Call them hypocrisy in other places. Verse 45 says, And then answer one of the lawyers and said to him, Master, not saying thou reproaches us also. I mean, that's just one of the attorneys that thought, well, we did some of this thing that he's condemning the Pharisees about. They were, are you reproaching we lawyers also? He said, woe unto you also, you lawyers. Now, when you say woe unto the, or the people, you say, is that not a cause? Blessed or woe? Happy or you'll be unhappy? 
So we can't even think it's a cause. It's just telling you that you are you are going to be in serious of what that worry means. If you are blessed, God is with you. If you are woe means that God is not on your side. What you are doing. He woe unto you also, ye lawyers, for ye laid men with burdens grievous to be born, and ye yourself touched not the burdens with one of your fingers. And that is more or less saying when you condemn people and you tell them this is what you should do, this is what you do, but you yourself can't even do it. But you're telling them what the law says. And that's why I say you are laying upon men things that are grievous to be born. It's not easy for them to bear it. But you yourself are not bearing it, you're just quoting what the law says. What's for seven? Woe unto you, for ye build the sepulchres of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. So truly ye bear witness that ye allow the deeds of your fathers. For they indeed killed them, and ye build their sepulchres. Well, that is plain and simple that way. It looked like uh, they are trying to do something nice for the prophets. You say, but your father killed the prophets. If you do worse in their own generation too, you are also just as guilty as your fathers. That's what the Lord says, because it's going to continue and save us for tonight. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles. Some of them they shall slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. So that is really what the Lord was trying to lead them to. The generation that he was preaching to, these Pharisees, these liars, they are going to do worse than the prophets that were killed by their fathers when they killed the king of kings himself. Because you already know what they are going to do in the end. So it was putting ahead of them that, look, the blood of all the prophets will be required of this generation. Verse 41. See, from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple, very I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Blood of Abel that's killed, killed. Yeah, he said from that time till that time that Christ was coming, he said the blood of all the prophets that were killed will be required from this generation. That means they have guilt, they are guilty of so many things also. And then when God was going to judge, there is going to be a serious, severe judgment. And that was why Jerusalem was cut, destroyed for thousands of years. Thousands of years, not like 70 years in the days of Daniel. This time it was 1,000 and something years because they finally went back in 1948 and started to rebuild, to, to have a name called Israel again. But from AD 70 to 1,148, they were all scattered from the place and the place was demolished. And only some Arabs were staggering through the land until finally God allowed them to be coming back in the trickle. And then after the Second World War, they formed a nation again. That was a long time of uh, judgment. And that's what Christ was saying there that it will be required of that generation. That generation that didn't receive him was scattered. Verse 52 Woe unto you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering. In ye ended. Verse 53 And as he said these things unto them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak of many things, laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. Now they are always trying to be looking for false. If you say something that they can say, What you said that against the governor or against the king, then they, somebody will run and tell the king to so that they can arrest him. But that was perhaps what they used against John the Baptist. They came and asked him, what do you think about what King Herod has done? He has married his brother's wife, that the judge divorced. And John the Baptist commented about it, and then they went quickly, some people went quickly to tell Herod. And so he said that about me, go arrest him. And that was how John the Baptist was arrested. 
they were trying to do the same thing about the Lord Jesus Christ. They came many times to, that's why the Bible said they were asking so many questions, provokingly, thinking that he will commit himself and say something that they can report. In fact, when the other people came and said, should we pay tax to Caesar? They were trying to see whether if he said no, they shouldn't be paying tax, they will go and report him to the governor. And they were arresting. That's the trick, that's their plan. And Christ said, why are you tempting me, you hypocrites? Give me the money, let me see, what tax money? Whose image is on this money? It's Caesar's image. When it's, it belongs to Caesar, they give it back to Caesar. And to God, is the things that belong to God. We are in the image of God, give your heart to God. But that money is in the image of Caesar, give it back to Caesar, because that's why he put his image on it. They couldn't take all of that word and accuse him of anything because they just laughed. Give unto Caesar, that will belong to Caesar. And to God, that will belong to Caesar. That is the end of chapter 11 of Luke. And we will continue this discussion in chapter 12. God bless you.